You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Well, greetings, everyone. This is Leadership Powered by Common Sense, and I'm your host, Doug Thorpe. Today, we're going to take a journey into the world of, um, I guess, what I would call big data and being able to be smart about information you might want to go collect for growing your company and making things happen in your markets. My guest is a gentleman named Eric Quanstrom. Eric, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Doug. Appreciate it. And Eric, uh, I'm going to let you kind of give us the uh, flyover of the specific kind of work we're going to be talking about. But even before we get to that, I always like to ask people to give us a little bit of color and backstory on what's your journey been like to get to where you are right now and maybe where the ideas and inspiration came from for what it is you're doing right now. Sure thing. So um, I'm the chief marketing officer at Science Technologies, and that's science without an S, an intentional misspelling of the word. Um, technically, my fifth uh, CMO role in a row, and um, feel very comfortable in kind of the marketing suite and leading marketing programs uh, at a variety of companies, just past my six-year mark here at Science. So we've been doing some exciting things, and I can't wait to tell you, you and your listeners a little bit more um, about the company. Well, that's great. So let's dive right into that. What is science all about? Yeah, sure. Uh, science at, at its heart, you know, even in our tagline, I guess I have it over my shoulder here for the video uh, portion or anyone watching this. <clears throat> we like to say sales conversations start here. And so our mission in life is to help our client companies grow. Uh, we're traditionally known as a software and services company, so we we help them in a variety of ways. Um, we're famous, I guess, in the world for being ranked as kind of the top or number one outbound lead generation services company by a variety of third-party sources, and that really comes on the back of of us being able to help um, you know fill pipeline, start those sales conversations at the top of the funnel, hand them off to uh, the various sales teams and organizations that we work with for brands large and small um, <clears throat> across a variety, quite a lot of industries to be perfectly honest. And you know I think more of the interesting parts are in how we do that um, and even some of the tools that we use to do that. Perhaps we can get uh, deeper into those um, strategies and tactics. Uh, on this podcast, because I think that that's where the the real interesting opinions um, and facts and data and um, all the other things we bring to bear lie. Absolutely. No, I, I, I very much would like to get into that. You and I have had that opportunity to have a little bit of discussion about the, the real nuts and bolts of what makes your magic and and significantly differentiates you from a lot of other providers and you know speaking as an entrepreneur myself we collectively get inundated daily with people who profess to be able to help us with lead gen sales growth more traffic more conversations more opportunities and you know you hear a lot of varieties of things but at the root of many of them it's it's good old fashioned cold calling that 
I don't I, to me, depending on who you talk to, that fundamentally doesn't work anymore because people are kind of jaundiced for answering their phone with a seeing a strange number they're not familiar with. Yeah, I I would respectfully disagree with a lot of those people <laughs> who say that the cold calling and, and more specifically multi-channel outbound doesn't work because we we prove on the daily that it does. Um, I think that cold outreach in general has a, a bad reputation, largely from techniques of the past that were largely spray and pray and really met the, the, the wall. I, I almost liken it to a car hitting a wall at 60 miles an hour of irrelevancy. You know, I think that the relevancy wall is probably the biggest wall that exists in any, um, in anyone's day, right. In anyone's time and anyone's, is this worth my consideration? Is this worth me paying attention to? And I think that, that, relevancy should ride every one of your go-to-market motions. If it doesn't, then you're probably doing it wrong. And you're probably being a, a nuisance and an irritation with everything that you're doing. Relevancy, however, comes in a lot of different forms. And I think that it's worth probably unpacking this, peeling the onion, so to speak, on how to get to relevancy with any go-to-market motion. And, um, you know, I, I could launch in if if you, if you prefer to go down well, that. First, let me say your your ob objection is is duly noted and and fair. I, and I, my statement was very broad brush, and I think it was in respect to the large preponderance of these independent providers that are doing that spray and pray kind of thing they they claim they're going to try to niche down and identify a profile and go after only those people but the process by which they attempt to dial that in uh, i know i personally i've tried six or eight different providers that have professed to do that and do it well and i've gotten i'm Sad to say, I've gotten literally zero conversions out of it. Yeah, and um, and many of which, you know, in various forms, the way the discussion unfolds and ends up is, I somehow didn't do a good job of explaining what my, you know, primary candidate is, and it's like, well, okay. Fine. <laughs> you know, let's let's forget about the six hours I spent talking to you about who that was and what what they needed to be doing and uh you know, but it, it goes on and on. So so let's talk about the relevancy issue and what are the different layers and elements that you guys try to help with. Yeah, I think if you were to throw kind of a, a large kind of tarp over outbound, um, which we can think of as <clears throat> bringing a, a direct message to a relevant prospect. So obviously the the first kind of like consideration there in the stack is who, who should we be talking to? And I like to divide up outbound into kind of like three primary flavors of the who. So the first of, of which probably the most commonly practiced is what I would call list-led outbound. And this is basically where solely as a vendor, solely as a service provider, solely as um, an organization, you would create your own ideal customer profile or some form of a list. Already better than spray and pray because now you're taking some thought, you're, you're rigorous with your analysis of who do you think would be your next best future customers. And you know the, the, the more specific you can get, the more you can pay attention to existing buying groups and 
how those buying groups unfold. Who's the first conversation with? Who's the last conversation with? Like who are decision influencers, who are product champions or, you know, people that might actually be worth having in a buying group um, for a sale to occur. Having rigor around that thought as to who makes the list is a worthwhile and, and frankly, um, you can't skip the step exercise. That's kind of like bucket one, if you will, on flavors of outbound. Uh, flavor two is what I like to call intent-led outbound. Now, same kind of exercise should have been performed around an ICP, but there's a, a variety of tools. Science has, has won ourselves, but there's a variety of tools on the market today that are now in, in place to help people glean in-market buying activity across the real-time web around topics, keywords, or areas of promise for your business. So for instance, if I were to say lead generation services might be very interesting area of promise or topic for science, I might be very concerned with, okay, how can I find companies that are interested in that topic? And thus an intent, um, you know, kind of list and prioritization and effort um, ensues as far as an outbound, how you might go to market. But I actually don't think that that's the, the first and best um, flavor of outbound. So we talked about list-led as our kind of number three, intent-led as our number two. And I think there's a number one with a bullet. And that number one is what I like to call intent or inbound-led outbound. So I'm mixing a little thing here together, which is <coughs> technically flavor of intent, but a prospect visits your website, visits your web property, visits something where you have first-party data occurring and that prospect matches your ICP. Now, the beauty, beauty of, of living in 2023 is that because first-party data exists, um, and oh, by the way, science has tools for this as well, you can start to de-anonymize your web traffic. And for the people that fit your ideal customer profile, um, I strongly suggest that there can be no better prioritization of who to reach out to and why than the people that might have already experience your brand and, and been on your website. And so three flavors of outbound, um, all three of which I kind of give a little, you know, <laughs> thumbnail sketch or cliff notes on how to think through um, when to use them. But then, when, you know, there's a variety of, of sequencing, there's a variety of messaging, there's a variety of, of tactics that you can use in any one of those three for additional success. But I really like to talk about the, the three flavors just so that people can think about if I'm going to prioritize efforts, how might I do so across each one of those kind of like use cases? Yeah, well, I, and, and I think business owners uh, probably definitely know about the first one, sort of the outbound, build a list. Maybe I have a list and I, I do have perhaps a customer base to call upon and, and can define that profile of what felt successful. So you know, getting those guys together is not bad. Um, I'm intrigued by that. The main one, as you mentioned, the, the prospect that already comes to the website. And, and as I recall, when, when you and I first talked, Eric, I, I think we were talking in terms of, you know, a lot of people get really excited about the, 2% or 3% that hit a website and punch a call to action button and you think, ah, I'm gold now, they're, they're now in my funnel. 
But the question is, what are you doing with the 97% that didn't hit that call to action? They did, in fact, see your site. They might have even paged through it three, four, five pages deep. But then they chose to go away for what is. So it's the proverbial, I'll go so far as to call it the empty shopping cart kind of thing. And that's, I think, the intriguing dimension that uh, a lot of people are probably leaving on the table. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think you did a really nice job of describing that. And, and what you really touched on is the bane of, of all marketers like myself's existence, which is, you know, here in the, the 21st century, you know, the public website is where all the action happens for most marketers. You know, the, the, the content that we produce to build that website, the pillar pages, the blogs, the ebooks, the whitelist, the, you know, <laughs> the white papers, the guides, um, all of it are living on generally our websites. Um, you could include social media profiles for you know a greater constellation or, or effort. But at the end of the day, mm -hmm. most B2B businesses, and, and that's really where I'd love to kind of hit and stick in talking, um, they're using their public website as kind of the hub for most of their go-to-market motions. And the bane of our existence is, is that when people visit that hub, um, they usually do nothing. <laughs> they come, they read, they explore pages, and they go away. Um, and that's kind of normal, to be honest. And, and you, you cited the statistics, and there's reams and reams of them by industry, by individual company. Everyone can get this number. But most websites have some forms of calls to action. And so measuring you know, unique visitor to did they take you up on that call to action, whether it was to meet with sales, schedule a demo, whatever it may be, um, Typically, those are in the, you know, again, 97 to even 99% of overall traffic. And so my point is simply that that's where the game is being played already with interest in your brand. There is a cost, whether you choose to recognize it or not, to bringing people to your website. <laughs> you know, right. it's, it's generally not free, especially if you're using paid advertising to, to bring them to your website. Um, oftentimes, we even... Uh, label this cost per click or pay per click. And so ultimately the, the justification for any of those efforts, I think is well-matched or well-suited to combine marketing with sales back into that inbound led outbound approach. So as long as the profile of the individual that you de-anonymize fits your ICP, um, when you catch them essentially <laughs> doing nothing, it's well worth your time to bring the fight back to them. It's well worth your time to reach back out after they've been um, on your website. And, and the reason for that is actually a really simple one um, and very congruent with kind of buying behavior. Analyst firm after, after analyst firm have pr produced reports over the last decade or so that really talk about the buyer's journey. <laughs> and one of the main findings that every last one of them come to, and it's really common sense, you know, the, the title of this podcast, right? So this may be the most commonsensical thing that I'm about to say. Most buyers engage when they're ready. Yes. With any sales organization, with any vendor, with any website. And so the smart marketer, the smart sale, head of sales, in my opinion, is the one that, that gets the catbird seat, is the one that puts themselves in pole position, is the one that that kind of like, takes that buyer's journey and starts to fit right into the middle of it or be the first one in, so to speak, as the buyer or buyers, plural, 
are making decisions, are synthesizing information, are researching what the category, the space, the solution is all about. Yeah. So if I can take it one more level and and maybe trying to connect the dots here. So what we're saying is for that 97, 98, 99% that hit the website and don't act, they may well be researching and gathering data to satisfy their own process, whatever mental process they've got for making decisions. And you're saying if you go ahead and follow up on that inquiry and try to connect with them while the, the thought process is fresh in front of mind, you, you run a higher probability of getting attention and making the connection. Without a doubt. In fact, I mean, I'll, I'll be kind of farcical or comical for a reason to make my point, but when you own and run a B2B website, it's not as if the traffic kind of like accidentally finds their way to your, your site. Oh, I was searching for great summer reading. What's the new Grisham novel? Oh, science.com. <laughs> like it doesn't work that way. Like, People are generally finding you because of, again, content or rankings or advertising or referrals in your areas of promise. And therefore, you know, people are exploring. They're doing their homework. They're researching. Um, You know, some of them may not even be what we would call active buyers at that point. Um, They may not even be active buyers in their own mind. Right, buying is a largely ad hoc activity that is very loosely defined in most organizations that it happens in. Only in the larger organizations that we call them enterprises do even professional buyers exist. <laughs> They're usually called procurement. Um, and so, when most buying is happening, it's done again very randomly, very sporadically, very like if you were to chart and graph it out. And again, a lot of the analyst firms are really good at this. Um, they, they have graphs that that look like a treasure map. You know, it's all over the place Um, because that's typical buying behavior. Well, and as I'm thinking about it, so classic learnings as a a business owner says, well, if you want more sales, first thing you got to have is traffic to your website. So you... You spend the money, you do your advertising, you you work on your SEO, and you try to get your presence and ranking elevated on Google so that you're on that first page of the search page. When that person does put in a search term that, you know, you definitely want to be found, that's all good. And, and that's all important. But the point is, as we're speaking here, the average buyer is not ready to pull the trigger that moment he clicks that first link. Right. They're, they're probably rationalizing, doing some research, and heaven knows we've all been programmed now to look at reviews and, you know, you, you, you get a lead on an idea of a, of a source to get a solution. You're going to go look at reviews, you're going to try to get referrals, and you're going to do a lot of other things before you even maybe click the link and hit the call to action to schedule a demo or schedule a call or, or whatever. So what I'm hearing here is the, the real thing we're focused on is this opportunity to get in the middle of that as the provider and accelerate the connection point. Yeah. And I think that the, what I'd also love to point out is we're talking about one of the greatest untalked about trends of our generation. Um, I'm old enough to know 
we both are, so we can remember these days when the sales profession really tilted around information asymmetry. Before the commercial web, you know, <laughs> when you wanted to go buy a car, there was a extremely high probability that the person selling you that car knew far more about the automobile than you did, right? Information asymmetry. Really good possibility or probability, I should say, um, in those times that that was true of just about every industry out there and most sales organizations. That's no longer true today and it has ceased to be true. In fact, I would argue with new AI tools, especially like the advent of ChatGPT, that the information asymmetry is all but turned on its entire head, right? So we're not short. There's no dearth of information. Like we're almost in the opposite problem. We have too much information. We're drowning in information and it's overloading um, our ability to oftentimes make decisions. And this is why I think sales still exists. I think this is a, a very noble role for sales to take and make, which is to make sense of the world for our, our buyers and thus provide them value. And so I can think of no better reason when, again, somebody that matches your ideal customer profile that you say, this would be an ideal person for or company for me to sell to. And now I, I kind of walk forward the sales process or move forward the sales process from that kind of like information overload standpoint into my normal sales process to provide super value to the person that I'm, I'm reaching out to. Yeah. Also, also gives me a great reason back to where we started this conversation around relevance, gives me a great reason for any of my outreach in the first place. Yeah. So let's uh, let's bring it back to what you're doing there at Science, the uh, secret sauce, so to speak, in in tapping into and capturing that traffic that is coming. What are the tools and steps and procedures to to really accelerate that? Sure. So we've we've built a variety of software tools for each one of those phases or, or buckets of outbound that I talked about before, as well as for our own SDRs, sales development reps, and teams to use to be more efficient, proficient, and effective at their outreach. So I'll start from the, the, the forward back. With inbound-led outbound, I think that the key leverage point for that go-to-market motion is you have to be able to track visits to your website and then match against an identity graph of who those people are. Right, So I'm setting aside, of course, the form fills, those one to 2% of people that self-identify, give you their email and or phone number, and ultimately are, are probably already on the path to scheduling a meeting and, and meeting with your sales team, if, if that's the way you handle your sales cycle. Um, so we have a product, it's called Science Go Show, that is able to be you know placed onto, in the form of uh, JavaScript code, any website, and then match against our identity graph to determine who that person is, who that company is, what department they're in, seniority level. And then of course, um, we, we pair that actually with our ScienceGo data product for down to the actual individual contact um, level information. So business email, phone number, LinkedIn profile, um, and, and you know other title, who they are, where, where they are kind of information. So that's number one on inbound-led outbound. Um, we also produce a number of tools for helping people close and convert deals while they're hot while on your website. So we have a, a product called Science Go Chat 
and go schedule that allows for essentially a two-way um, bot-led or AI-led chat, as well as booking meetings on the spot for those that are interested. So those are another kind of two that help with inbound-led outbound, in my opinion. Um, as I kind of move backwards down the stack, Science Go Intent is our intent product that helps facilitate the prioritization effort for essentially reaching out to what might be called in-market buyers. And that, that tool also works in conjunction. It's actually part of Science Go Data, where the data that would be part of any lead list, so list led outbound, um, we can do that too. We have over 200 million records in our database, if you will, the Science Go Data product. And you can query it and run a ton of very targeted searches to get at the, the right ICP um, from a million different angles, whether that those be geographic angles, industry angles, title and, and seniority in an org chart angles, and then have uh, profile or contact information that again comes with information about how to contact them, email, phone, uh, social profile information. And then at that point, once the profile identification is made, you can build and launch your outreach and whatever else you're doing, whether it's email or text or yes. call or anything, yeah. whatever, whatever sequence you've, you've determined to be the, the right way to do it. Absolutely. And we have a variety of tools that, you know, we use our, our own sequencer. It's called Science Go Engage. Um, we have our own dialer, if you will, for making, um, you know, efficient phone dials um, in a call block <clears throat> called Science Go Dialer. And then what's, what's maybe most exciting to all of us, to all of us over here at Science is we, we've also gotten bit by the AI bug in a very, very big way <laughs> where we think that AI tools, especially those built on um, GPT-4 are super exciting for what they enable from a productivity standpoint, um, our agents, our people, our team members to do. So we leverage a number of those tools, including what we call Science Go Expert AI, that each one of our clients that is utilizing our, our services, um, we actually outfit them with a license and what we've done before that that license is built is we feed information to our large learning models, right? So our LLM and, or sorry, large language models, forgive me on the L mispronunciation, mis but our, our large language models allow us to kind of feed all the data about a client's business, about a client's industry, about a client's um, personas that they would be targeting and their ICP, all of the publicly available information about that client. So they're their website and everything attached to it, as well as anything else we feed up and learn about that business. Because when we're doing our outreach as them, we want to be essentially as knowledgeable on their business as they are. And so we use this AI tool to influence um, how we write campaigns, how we build sales playbooks, how we message to their personas. And so that AI shortcut or mental, mental prosthetic is super useful. And, and you know, again, we're very excited about the results we've been seeing using it. And and how are client companies receiving that when you know when when maybe when they're when they understand it, it's somewhat AI generated content. Um, AI inspired content, maybe is a way to say it. Yeah, no one really knows that it it it's 
I guess, non-human. And I wouldn't even say that that's final form of, of any messaging that goes out. It's not like an automated system where the human is out of the loop. Um, we're still leveraging humans, um, quite a lot of humans, actually, uh, in everything that we're doing. We're just enabling tools to be assistive um, and, and, and allow them to kind of be their best, most efficient selves as they're doing yeah. sales development work. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> that's what I'm hearing in most cases with businesses I'm talking to of late. You know, they've 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 caught the AI bug, but they see it as assistance to glean content or structure or information that they might have otherwise forgotten about or, or not thought about. And, you know, most experts will tell you they've probably forgotten as much as some people have yet to know about a subject. That's <laughs> and, probably true. And I think the, um, at least the early forays into AI that I've done personally in my own work, it, uh, the things that have come back have, have prompted a lot of those little data points and, and factoids that I might have forgotten long ago, but, you know, now they've been able to bubble back up and go, yeah, that's pretty meaningful. That's a, that's a, that's a good part. I, I'll also say this on a personal level, um, using AI to me is, is a really interesting expression of when you feed a, a, a large language model, 170 billion parameters, which is currently the, the use case for GPT-4, um, the patterns that, that exist in all that information, all that data that is being consumed and, and forms the base and the bedrock of the, the LLM, to me is, is quite fascinating because what I see is the ability for a tool to almost transcend um, human thought. You know, like one of the, the best prompt kind of like tips that I could give anybody um, and tell me if this doesn't get you far better outputs and results is to literally tell the AI to write in the voice of. And ultimately, when, when you can give it that prompt and think about any of your favorite authors, think about any um, material that would have been part of that, you know, kind of <laughs> LLM being built that's already been consumed, you have like this crazy good replica of exactly everything that that, again, voice and author ever wrote, already built into the answers that you're going to get reflected back. Mm -hmm. um, be almost the same as if I asked the, the authors themselves to write a novel or write any kind of output um, in their own voice and then return it. It's almost like putting them on staff. Yeah, interesting. That, that is very interesting. So how does how does uh you know a b2b type company how, how do they typically set this up and, and get going is it a function of uh pick and choose among the the offerings or yeah we we definitely uh support both the kind of like comprehensive all-in-one um all you can eat if you will buffet style offering we also do sell our software standalone and separately. Uh, really depends on the use case and what a business is looking to get accomplished. Um, I think still to this day, and, and hopefully this is some of a somewhat of a testament to the brand that we've built over the last few years. Um, a lot of people have come to know us for our outbound managed services and what we're able to do for lead generation 
um, kind of in the space. So like our people delivering appointments um, is typically the, the value proposition that a lot of companies come to us for on the regular. Uh, the software piece, uh, pieces really uh, on our platform are still relatively new and we're super excited about the directions of them because we get to use them ourselves. We're customer zero <laughs> here at Science, which is kind of cool. Um, nothing we've built, we don't consume. I hate the phrase, eat our own dog food. So I'll, I'll say instead, <laughs> we, we drink our own champagne and we love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's go. effervescent. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so ultimately that, that's kind of our, our name of the game. And so anyone listening to this that might be curious, you can go to science.com again, so that, that's science without the S and check out any and all of our offerings. And then, you know, let our sales team help you synthesize into kind of like getting you where you want to go as far as your own growth is concerned. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Eric, this has been great. Thank you so much. And what an incredible idea. And I, I knew from the first time, sorry, video went out again. <clears throat> I knew from the first time you and I had talked that this is pretty compelling and, and I, the, uh, what's the phrase uh, you had me at 97% when we talked about that, <laughs> um, because I know again, being totally transparent and reflective, I've, I've spent a lot of time and energy on, in my world on, on trying to get traffic and, you know, when, when I realize that 97% of the visitors I get, and I've got a hard data that shows people clicking and, and visiting, um, are not going to act unless I do something otherwise to get into their consciousness. And having a simple call to action or a really sexy ebook or tripwire or offering like that is is not enough to flip that conversion because as soon as they browse away or, or swipe away, then we're done. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of normal behavior too. People love control and I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I mean, I, I love control. You love control, right? Like um, when I'm browsing a website, I'm going to do what I'm going to do, you know? And I, I, most people, it's funny if you, if you ask them or a quick survey, how many websites do you visit in a given day? I think a lot of people would be surprised at just how many sites they go to, um, you know, and, and it's in the hundreds for most, you know, kind of like B2B workers and or executives. And so, yeah. you know, the thinking there is, is we're, we've gotten really good. Our heuristics are well-developed on, you know, kind of like surfing the web, going to be B2B websites and, and doing exactly nothing, right? Like at least as far as the vendor is concerned like self-identification or, yeah, I want to, I want to move beyond just kind of like um, an ambient relationship. Right. Well, and you know, in the, um, just in the, the, the mega space, uh, Amazon and Google have been doing this for a long time, you know, and I, I still talk to people that are amazed the fact that, they might be sitting in their pajamas late one night browsing Amazon for a particular little widget or a toy for the kid or something like that. And for the next two weeks, if they do a Google search, that is something about that thing's going to pop up in that sidebar. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're going, how did they know I was looking at that? Well, the, the, it, it's, it's all the science behind it, not your science, but the data science behind it. 
So true. I mean, remarketing or retargeting, depending on the flavor you, you like or word you like best, is proven to be effective. Again, reminding people and getting familiar. Familiarity is the marketer's best friend as, as far as I'm concerned, right? Because right. We, we like to buy um, from entities, people that we know, like, and trust. And the more right. familiar somebody is or something is, um, the more we know, like, and trust them. <laughs> right. Well, again, talking about generational and age-related, you know, I I go back many, many years, and in marketing speak back then, the the one thing you wanted to achieve was top-of-mind presence. Yep. And the principle behind top-of-mind presence in in the old definitions of marketing was, uh, back to what we were saying, people are not necessarily buying on the spot. They, They buy through a process of thinking and analysis and evaluation. And unless you stay top of mind, i.e. you're on some kind of little short list, when they finally get ready to buy, they may ask you for a quote or ask you for an engagement or ask you for that demo so that now they can factor that into their buying decision. But if you don't stay top of mind, you're not going to get that invitation. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I mean, one product that I didn't mention that's kind of interesting about a year, a little less than a year ago, um, Science actually also stood up a product called Science Code Digital. And this is our own demand side platform or DSP that enables um, targeted advertising, primarily display where we can do things like retargeting or remarketing. We even like to integrate advertising runs into what we call pre-targeting. So if you've got that ICP, you know, there's no better way to start the familiarity and, and start the you know kind of awareness than advertising fed directly to that ideal customer profile um, list going forward. And don't be surprised, you know, and we never are, when those ads produce people getting curious, clicking links, and ultimately then going to our website or our client's website when they're using the product. Um, and voila, you've you've created demand, and now you're you know, are in position to potentially service that demand. Fascinating. Well, Eric, we're about up on time for today, but thank you so much for coming in and sharing all this. It's it's amazing work, and uh, you shared your contact info so people can check it out and, and get in touch. But uh, one last time, thank you for sitting in. That was my pleasure, Doug. Fun conversation. Thank you. Yes. And as always, folks, I like to remind you that we do have a video version of this over on YouTube channel by the same name. Hop over there. We've got a lot of fun things going on with uh, a membership community that we've started. We've got a little uh, merchandise available and all kinds of things to uh, support the show. But for now, we're going to sign off, say goodbye and wish you the best. Take care. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.